Welcome, everyone, to the Week 17 Fantasy Embedding Show presented by the 33rd Team. I'm your host, as always, Josh Larkey, joined with me, as always, by my co-host, Ryan Reynolds. Today, we're going to talk through some places where my Week 17 Fantasy Rankings agree and disagree with the consensus players I'm, I'm higher, lower on than the market and why. Then we are going to dive into some of Ryan's defensive stances for fantasy football. I'm going to ask him about a, a couple defenses that he seems to like a little bit more or less than consensus because folks, this is championship week. This is important. All the money is on the line. And then we're going to end the show. A lot of you out there want to prepare for the real NFL playoffs. Now that the fantasy season is ending, you might be interested in betting on or against a few of the likely playoff teams. Ryan has some strong stances that we will discuss. Let's get right into it. Ryan, I'm going to pass it over to you. All right, Josh, let's get in with your rankings disparities here. Start with a couple quarterbacks. Start with a streamer first. You have Derek Carr, quarterback 12. Consensus has him at quarterback 15. He's a little scary with money on the line this week. What are your thoughts on Carr? Oh, I agree. I figured we'd start the show with a... Uh... A stance that makes me squeamish, but the more I think about it, the more I look at others' rankings. I am uh, I'm staying pat. I, I like Derek Carr this week. He faces the Buccaneers' defense. They've allowed 283 passing yards per game. That's number one in the NFL. The Saints need to win to stay in the playoff hunt. This is the team currently leading the NFC South in the Buccaneers. Carr has quietly thrown for 300 or more yards or multiple passing touchdowns four of his past five games. He's actually been just fine. Chris Olave is getting healthier. Rashid Shahid is getting healthier. Remember, there were multiple injuries there earlier in December. And ultimately, with this pass funnel defense, a must-win game, I, I don't see how they do anything other than pass the football at a very high rate. Agreed. I agree, actually. I don't think it's safe, but if you, I'd rather play Carr than Flacco, for instance, this week. Next up, Jared Goff, Josh. You have him at quarterback 14. Consensus is quarterback 12. What are you thinking here? Yeah, uh, almost every single ranker at this point is very convinced Jared Goff should be ranked ahead of Derek Carr. I don't quite understand that. Jared Goff faces the Cowboys. I get it. It's a very high game total. That is probably the scariest part is simply that it is a high game total. There should be touchdowns. But when we look at game planning, you want to run against the Cowboys. That is where their defense is weaker. You have Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, and an awesome offensive line. I don't think the Lions are going to overthink it. Ryan, we've generally seen that Dan Campbell, Ben Johnson... They come up with quite good game plans. They logically make sense. And I think ultimately Jared Goff just needs to do a lot less in this game than the public thinks. Is that where you're at with the likely Detroit game plan? Yeah, I, th I think, you know, as long as the game stays close, that's what the coaching staff's plan is going to be. They're going to be aware of what Arizona did to them in Detroit, you know, can out physical them in the trenches. Like you said, the running back duo. Only only concern there is if Detroit falls behind and they're forced to throw. But still, I, th I think what you have is fair. Next up, you know, a name we weren't expecting to, to be talking about here a couple weeks ago. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, running back 10. Consensus has him as running back 28. So you're way above market on him. Tell us why. So Isaiah Pacheco had a concussion on Monday. I do not expect him to be ready on six days notice. Jerick McKinnon was placed on injured reserve. Weeks 14 and 15 when there was no Isaiah Pacheco. Edwards-Hilaire had 12 carries a game, four targets a game, 85 total yards a game, 15 fantasy points a game. That is even with Jarek McKinnon getting work, with Jarek McKinnon stealing a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Two touchdowns to the running backs went to McKinnon, not CEH in that two-game span. And we'll talk about it uh, a little bit more later, but uh, the Bengals' defense is just an absolute mess. And it's, some, it's a situation that I want to target here. 
That's Jalarkey tweets. Another running back that we were not planning to discuss in week 17. Ezekiel Elliott. You have him at running back 13. Consensus has him as running back 21. What are your thoughts here? Ryan, I did not expect to like Ezekiel Elliott heading into week 17. Here we are with all the money on the line. The past three games with no Ramondre Stevenson, Zeke has averaged 15 carries, eight and a half targets. That is not a, uh, that is a real stat. Eight and a half targets, seven receptions, 82 total yards, 19 PPR fantasy points a game. I, I don't really care what the matchup is. The Buffalo Bills are not a good, not a bad matchup. It's kind of whatever. But ultimately, all we have seen is that Bailey Zappi does nothing other than check the ball down to Ezekiel Elliott. If you play in a PPR or half PPR league, the floor for Zeke has been ridiculously high with his usage. And the ceiling is RB1 overall when you're averaging seven receptions a game in PPR leagues. Oof, that just sent a chill down my spine, Josh. A guy that the guy that you were below consensus on earlier this season in the offseason draft season, you were you, you nailed it. Tony Pollard, you're below consensus on him here too this week. You have him at running back 25. The field has him at running back 15. Why do you not like Pollard against the Lions? Well, first off, I just thought it was poetic as we made the show sheet to uh talk about why I like Ezekiel Elliott and why I have him ranked ahead of Tony Pollard after all that we've seen the last four years in Dallas. So going back to that that Cowboys-Lions game, you pass against the Lions. You don't run against them. Detroit's the fourth best matchup overall for fantasy points in passing games. It's the fourth worst matchup for run games. These stats might not sound quite like what you see on your sleeper Yahoo ESPN app. That is because I am adjusting for schedule for opponents. That's important. And just in general, teams actually have the second fewest running back rush attempts per game against the Lions. I think the game plan is going to involve C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Jake Ferguson. I don't think Pollard's scripted out of the game at all, but we, we've seen him have 12 and 11 carries over the past two weeks, and I think that trend continues. And he simply hasn't gotten consistent pass game usage either. God, that's going to be big for me this week is Chris Olave. You have him as wide receiver three. Consensus has him as wide receiver 10. Where, where do you see the upside here? So just going back to that box pass defense, they've allowed 194 receiving yards per game to wide receivers. That's number one. When you adjust for schedule, it's still the third best matchup for fantasy receivers. Fantasy receiver rooms average six and a half more fantasy points than expected. The past six games, Olave regression has hit. I was getting killed, killed on this take on podcasts, on Twitter. When I talked about how guys, I know it's been a disappointing two months, but we have to, we have to trade for Chris Olave. Sure enough, Week nine onward, Chris Olave is averaging nearly nine targets a game, say over six receptions a game, 87 receiving yards a game. He scored every other game, and he's now averaging 18 fantasy points per game since we told you to trade for Chris Olave. He now is the awesome matchup. This is an elite fantasy wide receiver one for week 17. Stefan Diggs has been killing fantasy managers for weeks now. You have him as wide receiver six. Consensus has him as wide receiver 13. Why are you optimistic on Diggs against the Patriots this week? Stephon Diggs has target shares of at least 31% in three straight games. And if we look at Stephon Diggs against the Patriots while playing with Buffalo, and you might be like, Josh, that's a weird split. Well, Ryan, as we've talked before, you in depth, Bill Belichick is very opponent-specific with his game plans. He often tries to limit very certain parts of offenses. One thing he has not been able to do is limit Stephon Diggs. Here are Stephon Diggs' stat lines against the Patriots when he has been a Buffalo Bill. Six catches, 92 yards. 
Nine catches, 145 yards, three touchdowns. Four catches, 51 yards. That's the one stinker. Seven catches, 85 yards, touchdown. Seven catches, 92 yards, touchdown. Seven catches, 104 yards, touchdown. Six catches, 58 yards, touchdown. Diggs also has at least 86 air yards, three of his past four games. I like the I like the general usage. I just think ultimately he's been frustrated. The Bills are going to have to feed him, and the track record against the Patriots really speaks for itself. Yeah, I don't like that he talks publicly, but at the end of the day, you you, you don't get cute in these situations. You play guys like Diggs, and you know, from a, I've always loved Belichick from a macro game planning standpoint. I don't think he tries to quote unquote take away Diggs. I think his game plan centered around Josh Allen, kind of like it was against Brady when they played the Buccaneers a couple of years ago. Next up, Nico Collins, wide receiver 13 against the Titans. Consensus has him as wide receiver 19. I'm with you all the way here. I'm being above market on him, but tell us where your head's at. Yeah, this is someone that's going to be in DFS lineups. This is someone that we we may actually discuss on the player prop happy hour prop betting show tomorrow with Ahan Rungta. Pre the week 14 calf strain, Nico Collins was averaging 7.7 targets, 90 receiving yards, 17 and a half fantasy points per game. We love that. I think Collins is fully healthy again after the cap strain. It's been a few weeks. CJ Stroud is practicing again. He'll return from the concussion. And all those stats I mentioned for Nico Collins came with Tank Dell. Tank Dell is no longer here. He has the broken leg. And when we look at the Titan side of things, they just lost star defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons for the year. Nose tackle Tyre Tart was cut a week and a half ago due to attitude concerns. So they've essentially lost two starting defensive linemen over the past two weeks. We already discussed a few weeks ago how they traded their starting safety, Kevin Byard, to the Eagles. This is a depleted defense. It is a pass funnel defense. And I really like Stroud and Collins to pick up where they left off and essentially their first game playing together without Tank Dell. If you have any start sick questions, be sure to hop in our Discord. Josh will, will answer some Thursday night football-specific questions tonight. Our team will be in there throughout the week to help you get the right answers for your championship matchups. Next up, DK Metcalf. You have him as wide receiver 21. The field has him as wide receiver 14. While you're down on Metcalf against the Steelers. Ryan, we, we generally talk about how we're not always going to be perfectly right with our takes. We might miss on the margins. You really don't want to miss big. And no. ultimately, I don't see how playing someone ahead of DK Metcalf is going to burn you this week. I think it's a lower probability outcome. To begin with, Metcalf's reached 20 fantasy points in just two of 14 games this year. That's one in seven. That's 14%. He's had target shares under 19% the past three games with Jackson Smith and Jigba's emergence. And the Steelers get killed by the slot, not out wide. DK Metcalf only has a 23% slot rate this year. I actually would potentially have Metcalf a little lower than wide receiver 21. I just didn't want to stray too, too far from consensus. But I'd say Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigbar actually have significantly better matchups than Metcalf, who's probably going to be matched up with the big physical Joey Porter Jr. this week. You have Brandon Cooks, a wide receiver 27. The field has him as wide receiver 33. Do you like the matchup here? We, we've generally done pretty well identifying the potential boom games for Brandon Cooks. The Lions are the fifth best schedule adjusted matchup for wide receivers. The game totals 53 and a half. It's the highest of the weekend. And we should look at the touchdown odds. I talked about it before, and I said that's kind of the one concern with not being in on Jared Goff. Right now on DraftKings, Brandon Cook's anytime touchdown odds are plus 170. A guy who's slightly above would be Devonta Smith at plus 145. Pretty similar. 
And then someone like Terry McLaurin that a lot of people greatly prefer. Terry McLaurin's at plus 215, significantly lower than Brandon Cooks. I think there's 20 fantasy point upside here. It's the game environment we want. And I think he gets a big play and a touchdown here. The dreaded Drake London questions, Josh. You have him as wide receiver 40. Consensus has him as wide receiver 31. I know we can't trust anyone in Arthur Smith's offense, but what are you thinking here with London specifically? Ryan, consensus, you said it. Wide receiver 31. Consensus is trying to trust Drake London. What the heck is going on here? London, to begin with, has hit 15 fantasy points. Just 15. That's all we want. 15 fantasy points, Mr. London. He's done that in three of 14 games. That's 21% of the time. The Bears defense is a sneaky top 10 unit. We have discussed this. And then, Ryan, here's the most mind-blowing stat that I will give you for this podcast. Do you know how many wide receivers have reached 80 receiving yards against the Bears this year? 80. No. no. Just two. Two. Wow. That is the lowest in the NFL by a good margin. The Bears do not allow big wide receiver performances. And Drake London has done nothing other than choke outside of three games this year. We should sit him this week. I like that. I I watch football every Sunday with a a buddy of mine, Bears enthusiast, linebacker coach in high school. And I tell him all the time that I think the Bears actually have a top 10 secondary right now. So I love that stat. Next up, a tight end streamer. You know, if you have TJ Hawkinson down, you might need one of these guys. Gerald Everett, you have him as tight end eight. The field has him as tight end 13. Where's your head at? Where's your head at here? We're we're gonna play a little quarterback tight end bingo. Uh, apparently, Easton Stick likes Gerald Everett. Everett really didn't do much all season. A lot of people were pissed earlier in the season. I would simply leave Gerald Everett out of my fantasy rankings many weeks because he was in a timeshare with Donald Parham. He really wasn't doing anything. And then suddenly Easton Stick comes in the last three games with Easton Stick. Eight targets in every game. At least five receptions in every game. The Broncos allow three and a half more fantasy points per game to tight ends than expected when you adjust for schedule. That is the best in the NFL for your fantasy tight ends. Josh Palmer's in the concussion protocol. He might miss the game. We've talked about how Keenan Allen has the, I think it's like, what is it? Like the heel injury is what they're calling it. I don't think he returns this year. There's no sense trying to win a game right now. The Chargers are tanking. It all sets up for a massive, massive target day once again for Gerald Everett. And I have him as tight end eight simply because I think the floor and ceiling are going to be pretty good when you're getting funneled that many passes. Josh's fantasy rankings are on the 33rdteam.com right now. Kev Wheeler, Matthew Hill contribute rankings as well. I provide the good people with 12 defenses every week. I have a personal question now, Josh, for, for my own team. You know, I'm in the finals, $500 entry league. You know, we're talking like a three, $4,000 swing between first and second here. Um, Stafford versus, versus Kyler Murray. And I'm going to walk you through my thought process here real quick. I'm leaning Murray for two reasons. One, I think I'm going to have to play from behind. Two, I think, I think Kyron Williams could have a big day against the Giants where you can't really run against Philly. So Murray versus Stafford, probably have to play from a deficit to a degree where are you leaning between the two this is very close i have them next to each other in my fantasy rankings Ah, right now i actually lean stafford very very slightly simply because of that hollowed out cardinals receiving core we'll be monitoring marquise brown closely if marquise brown looks on track to play i would flip it for all the reasons you said i do think kyler is kind of in a must uh put the team on his back position unlike stafford in this matchup so should Marquise Brown play, I will lean Kyler. At this point, though, I just can't have Kyler over Stafford when Stafford has Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, and Kyler Murray, Murray will be throwing to Michael Wilson and Greg Dortch and Trey McBride. It is simply a 
colossal difference in supporting cast. Ryan, you, as you mentioned before, have your top 12 fantasy defense rankings within the fantasy rankings for quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. And uh, I want to ask you some questions about those. Uh, the, the good people need to know some process. So one of them is the Packers defense. They, we, we talked about them on Tuesday and how embarrassing it was that they gave up 30 points. I believe the Panthers had like a 51% offensive success rate, which was like the, either the best or second best of the weekend against them. But it's now Jaron Hall at quarterback instead of Nick Mullins. This was a fifth round pick out of BYU. BYU does not face NFL caliber defenses. It does not even face good college defenses. Zach Wilson came out of BYU. The biggest knock on him in many ways has simply been that he was just not ready to be thrust into a starting role so quickly in the NFL. Here we have Jaron Hall. He's attempted 10 career passes in the NFL. Can we stream the Packers defense or will they break our hearts once again? I, I think they definitely can. I mean, last week was a scarring, scarring situation against Bryce Young. Um, let me put it to you this way. Again, I have a $500 entry team that's in the finals, and I have a $1,000 entry team that's in the finals where I have Dallas as my defense for both of them, where I've streamed in the playoffs, and I planned on streaming Green Bay in week 16, and now all of a sudden, do I want to bet against Jaron Hall? The answer is I absolutely do. Do I trust the Packers' defense? They have so much talent. It's 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 infuriating, honestly, because this should be a smash option here. I think in the in the matchup where I'm playing from behind, I'm going to do it. In the matchup where I'm playing from ahead, most likely, I'm going to just stick with Dallas. I like it. I like it, uh, folks out there. Just a quick funny anecdote. People might be wondering why Jair Alexander was suspended for a game. The star cornerback of the Packers. Apparently, he was not the team captain. He went out for the coin toss on uh, this this past weekend. And won the coin toss and said, we'll play defense, which would essentially mean that the uh, that his opponent would then get to be on offense to begin the game and defer so they get the ball after the second half. Uh, a pretty colossal mistake. I'm not quite sure how Jerry Alexander was out there and why he thought that he should just immediately say, I want to play defense. So yeah, he's been suspended a game for it. The Packers defense down one of their better players. All right, enough about the Packers' struggles. Ryan, why are you so high on the Seahawks this week against the Steelers? Did you not realize that Mason Rudolph just shredded the Bengals? What are you thinking here? Yeah, I can't, I like Mason Rudolph in college, but I don't think he's going to be shredding NFL offenses every week. This is a game between two highly motivated teams. Seattle's a tough place to play, and their defense has actually been the better unit. So I can see a couple interceptions, maybe even a score in a best-case scenario. I think Seattle has some pretty good upside in this matchup. Ryan, you have the Eagles ranked at just number 11. Just 11 against the Cardinals. Consensus has them as the seventh best fantasy defense this week. What about the recent defensive struggles from the Eagles concerns you most in this matchup? It's just that their secondary is a genuine liability. If the Giants had, you know, like a real NFL quarterback last week, they might have actually won that game because, you know, Tyrod Taylor missed a throw to a wide open Darren Waller, you know, maybe the most wide open NFL receiver you'll ever see. So, you know, a guy like Kyler Murray comes into town. He can hang some points on him. I'm not sure he quite gets him into negative points differential zone, which is like, I think, 30 in most leagues. But, you know, he's probably going to be able to avoid sacks. Maybe, you know, I, I think this game could be closer than the spread would indicate. So I still think Philly has upside, but I think their downside's a little lower than, than I thought a couple of weeks ago. Now, you, you don't really like the Eagles. You do like the Jaguars this week against the Panthers. Assuming Trevor Lawrence suits up, he's been practicing this week despite 
the shoulder injury. Why or why should we be in on the Jaguars defense here? Yeah, I'm not sure I like them is the right word, but I think they have very high upside, especially with the Panthers having a spike game. You know, I, I'm a regression better. Do I all of a sudden think they're going to score 30 points every week? I don't. So if Trevor Lawrence plays and the the, de- the now desperate Jaguars play with a lead, I could see a bunch of sacks. I could see a few turnovers. I could see a bit of a disaster here for Carolina. Now, we, we talked about the Seahawks. Let's talk about the other side of that game. Consensus rankings on Fantasy Pros have the Steelers as the 21st-ranked defense. That shocked me. 21st. You have them, though, uh, very aggressive at the 10th-ranked defense. What's the thought process here? Why do you know better than consensus on this one? Yeah, this is one where I'm concerned about the offense. I feel the same way in the Jets game where I think the offense could be could struggle enough where the defense suffers for it. But in a vacuum, you have TJ Watts pass rush. Steelers are very well coached. And Geno Smith struggles in muddy pockets. And outside of a three or four games this year, he's actually been like below average, I'd say. You know, this team scores 17, 20 points. You know, Drew Locke and Geno Smith, when, when Drew Locke was in, like there wasn't a huge difference, you know? For the most part, and that's that's concerning. So I think he could struggle against Pittsburgh. Again, the Steelers offense is what concerns me with that play. Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. His expert picks and predictions. You want to see his score predictions for every single game for week 17. Those are now up on the 33rd team.com. We have the player prop happy hour tomorrow. Nine prop betting picks from the two of us and our data scientist Ahan Rungta. And on Saturday, Ryan will let you know what he's betting on in each and every game. Now, Ryan, Sunday nights are an active man. Not only have you watched football all day, but then you check the betting lines for the next week. What surprised you this week when Sunday night came around and you looked at those early lines? I was not expecting Dallas to open as a six and a half point home favorite against the Lions. You know, I've had the Lions around seven or eight in my power rankings every week. and, And, you know, Lions fans have not been very happy about that, even though that's where their Super Bowl odds have set. I was still six and a half points is, is a considerable margin. It's moved down to five and a half, and I still think that's surprisingly high. But, you know, I'm still going to stay away from it because I could see Dallas winning by a touchdown easily, but I, I was not expecting that at all. I was expecting three and a half or four. Give us a couple things that you like this week that uh, you don't think are being talked up enough. Well, I, I can't say it's not being talked up enough with this one, but the 49ers, I think they're going to obliterate Washington. I think they're literally going to blow them out in every phase. Uh, I don't usually like ride with chalk, but I, I, you know, that happens in the vast majority of scenarios. And another one that we touched on before is I do think Kyler Murray has a very high ceiling this week to the point I think the Cardinals giving getting 11 points is a lot. Uh, you know, the Giants kept last week's game close because of two freak plays, but you know, Murray's due for a big game in the air, and Philly's Philly's secondary is you know very, very, very exploitable to the point where I don't think they're going to get very far in the playoffs because of it. You mentioned before that you're you you thought the line was a little off for Lions Cowboys, but you weren't going to bet it. Give us one other thing at this point that you've had your eyes on, but you you're not betting it, and why? I have absolutely no interest in betting the Bills as 13-point favorites this week, nor do I want to bet on the other side of that game with the Patriots, just because, you know, Buffalo, I said this before the Chiefs game, I think Buffalo's going to win out. I think they're going to get in the playoffs, and I think they're going to I think they're going to make a pretty good run too. You know, AFC Championship wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, but they tend to play down to their competition, so I don't want to bet on them to blow the, the, the familiar Patriots out at this current juncture. I like it. We'll actually touch on the Bills a little bit more again later on. Now, you you know my stances on a lot of real NFL football topics. Tell me something that might ruin my day at this point. 
You know, the two best linebackers in the league play on the two best defenses in the league. Not only that, Josh, but the Ravens and 49ers actually probably have the two best linebacker duos in the league. We could say the same thing about Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman years ago, Ray Lewis and Brian Urlacher in the generation before this. And in this RPO world today, where a linebacker has to fill his gap in the running game, be aware of the slant that's probably going to come in over his head, while also being aware of a mobile quarterback that could tuck it and run too. They have to be in three different places at three different times. I think I think linebackers, the high-end ones at least, are bigger difference makers than most people realize. That said, I wouldn't be looking to overpay like a middle-tier linebacker at all. And you know, I, I do think that foundation with Warner and Roquan Smith for Baltimore and the 49ers is a big reason those defenses are what they are. Wow. Potentially big win for Ryan Reynolds, LLC. Potentially big loss for team analytics on that one. Now, Ryan, we're going to hit on some of these playoff teams for the real NFL playoffs because a lot of you out there might be listening and you might have one team in the, the, the finals this week, but you're starting to gear up for the NFL playoffs. That's the best time of the year after the fantasy football championship. Let's talk through a few over and undervalued teams. For those that, that want a primer, how would you frame uh, over or undervalued for the the common people out there listening who are interested in what you have to say here? I'm very I'm I'm very big on betting on undervalued or overvalued teams. You know, for instance, like we're doing mm -hmm. a betting and fantasy show, and I just talked about linebackers for a minute. The reason for that is, yeah. what does consensus think about that, and do I care or not? You know, and in this instance. I think there's an edge with certain teams with their linebacker play because they can cover more ground. And def defense in today's today's era isn't so much about dominating opponents. It's about limiting opportunities, which is what the Ravens did against the 49ers last week. And that's why they blew them out. So to that end, Josh, you know, I just, I want, like the Lions are a good example. You know, I don't see them the way a lot of people do. So uh, I I treat them in betting markets differently than, than a lot than a lot of in the field does. Let's just talk about the Detroit Lions. We have a lot of Lions fans that listen to our content. We yeah. have a weekly show on the 33rdteam.com with Amon Ross St. Brown and Equinemia St. Brown. They've had a lot of recent awesome guests like Jared Goff, Sam Laporta. People out there, Lions fan base, really wants to know. You've been stubborn in the power rankings. Are they under or overvalued at this point? Yeah, I think a lot of people overvalue them for for this reason. Let me just walk you through the whole team real quick. The offense, like you said, quality quarterback in Jared Goff, our guy Amon's Ross St. Brown. He's at least top five-ish wide receiver in the league. Excellent running back duo, like you mentioned before. Top five offensive line, very well coached. That's an offense that can go out and beat people, and especially in the, in the playoffs, offensive lines travel well. So if they have to go to San Francisco, they can give them a shot and give them a different game than a lot of teams that are still alive will. On the other hand, that defense lately, Josh, has just been a borderline liability, if not a complete one. Um, you know, they lost to Green Bay. They were a couple plays away from getting beat up by the Bears twice. If that situation doesn't improve, how is this team going to beat San Francisco? This week's matchup against Dallas is a big test for them. Speaking of Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys, you've been all over Dak Prescott MVP train. And uh, uh, after Brock Purdy's implosion, it might be back just a little bit. Talk to me about the Dallas Cowboys who are fighting right now, neck and neck, essentially between the two and the five seed with the Eagles. So pretty big difference there. Yeah, team success probably kills Dak's situation now since they lost to Miami. But I love the Cowboys for this reason because they're always overvalued or undervalued. Right now, they're a little undervalued. Seahawks, over undervalued. 
We bet on their win total preseason. We loved them. We loved them, and they've been a little bit disappointing this year. How do you feel about them now after wins over the Eagles and then uh, another win last week? Overvalued primarily because Geno Smith has not been what he was last year. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams. You love Matthew Stafford. Do you love the Rams overall? Are they undervalued? I mean, as crazy as this is to say, I put them at ninth in my power rankings, and I almost think that's not low enough. You know, like I think they could be eight because they're dangerous now, man. Like you have the Joe Banner said this quarterback, coach, then front office, which is essentially the roster. And, you know, the Rams are pretty elite at quarterback and and coaching staff, and it's starting to show right now. I I think they're going to, they could beat, they could knock off just about anyone. Maybe San Francisco is the game I think they probably don't win. Yeah, what was it? They they faced the Ravens two, three weeks ago, nearly beat them. That game went down to the wire. Seems like they can hang with anyone. Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns. Ah, uh, I lament all of the tickets we had on them winning the Super Bowl. That does not seem likely. Them making the playoffs is pretty much a lock at this point. They've got two games above a lot of the other wildcard hopefuls. J- Joe Flacco has saved this team season. It's an elite defense. But still, it's Joe Flacco over undervalued. I still think they're undervalued because I think like I think they could beat Baltimore if they got to play him in the first round. But yeah, I mean, let's not. Joe Flacco has been wonderful and he saved their season, gives them like a semi-competent offense. But he's not going to be throwing for three hundred yards against playoff teams every week. The Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud returns this week. How is the market compared to your personal stance? I think betting markets and me are aligned similar to how we are with Detroit, but I think public perception is that they're undervaluing them right now. You know, three weeks ago, CJ Stroud, I, if I said they could go in Arrowhead and beat Patrick Mahomes, people wouldn't have batted an eye. And now all of a sudden it's, it's weird. If they get in, you don't really want to play them in the first round. Baltimore Ravens. They just had the win of the season. They beat the 49ers in San Francisco. They're on a short week against the Dolphins this week. And Lamar Jackson right now is the MVP favorite. How do you view them? Yeah, I mean, first I'll say this. Kevin Coles, you know, an EPA-driven guy, as data-driven as there is. Him and I are super aligned on Lamar Jackson's kind of not having an MVP-caliber season. He's one of the few guys I I, I really listen to when it comes to awards markets. So I, I, Lamar Jackson's a great player, but I don't think he's having the year that a lot of people think he, he is. That said, he's capable of beating anyone. The defense has really been the star of this team this year. They get great field position all the time because of it. They could run through the AFC, you know, wouldn't surprise, but I don't think that's a guarantee at all. Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds, NFL on Twitter. Check out his expert picks and score predictions for every game on the 33rdteam.com. We'll be back in the airwaves tomorrow in the podcast network on Apple and Spotify, the 33rd team fantasy and betting. And we'll have the player prop happy hour show tomorrow there and then saturday ryan will let you know what he's betting on in each and every game more specifically make sure to hop into our free discord it's linked on my twitter at jlarky tweets it is linked in all of our articles on the 33rd team.com i'll answer some start sits i'll talk people through this uh nail biter of a jets browns game probably low scoring still some fantasy goodness to be had there we'll help you out with your joe flacco your amari cooper start sits ryan let's end the show time for you to take your Buffalo Bills victory lap. Yeah, uh, you know, before they played the Chiefs, and I think they were 7-6 and six or something like that, I said, I think they're going to win out, and I think they're going to make some noise in the AFC playoff race. Here they are. They haven't lost since then. 
Josh Allen was 40 to one in the MVP market before that Chiefs game. He's somewhere between seven to one and 13 to one right now, where he has a legitimate path and unorthodox, but a legitimate path. I think Buffalo is the team you don't want to play if you're an AFC team, especially if you're Baltimore, because we've seen the Bills defense shut down Lamar Jackson before. Folks, for myself, Josh Larkey, from my co host, Ryan Reynolds, from the 33rd team, from the Buffalo Bills, now looking like a lock to make the NFL playoffs. Good luck in week 17, and thank you, everyone.